Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry. I am the co-founder of Ignite DA. So glad you've joined us for what I know will be a great conversation today. And thank you for following us. iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And so glad to be joined today by Amber Lovatos. Amber, how are you? I'm great. It's almost Christmas time. How about that? (laughs) I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for the holidays and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Would you let our listeners know a little bit about you? Sure. Um, I'm Amber Lovatos. I refer to myself as the Latina RDH, uh, not because I am the epitome of Latinidad, but because I believe in vocal representation and talking about caring for my community. I'm a public health dental hygienist. I work for a nonprofit dental clinic, and we provide care to low-income and uninsured individuals. I'm also a speaker and writer, and I do all those things. But I started off as a dental assistant um, many, not many years ago, I think, like 2005 is when I became a dental assistant. Um, Okay. I wasn't the best dental assistant, but I was a dental assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and before we get into our topic today, I've got to ask, what made you make that transition over from assistant to hygienist? So, um, and I think that will lead to a good transition to like my community. Basically, I became a teen mom at 17. And then again, at 18, I was a single mom. And in my community, I didn't have a lot of mentorship, a lot of guidance. I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. But my cousin heard about a program um, where they had a grant for people to become dental assistants. And she's like, hey, you can have like a, a decent career, make good money, provide for your kids. Um, you can do this. And so I was like, okay, I did it because my cousin told me that I should do it. That was, you know, the mentorship that I had. Um, and when I started working in the dental office, um, I really needed to do more to provide for my kids. I, I was a single mom for a long time. And my coworker, also Latina, also a dental assistant, she's like, hey, Amber, we should become dental assistants. I mean, dental hygienists. And I said, okay. And that's why I became a dental hygienist. (laughs) That's awesome. I don't have like this this inspiring story where I'm like, hey, I went to a dentist growing up. I know I didn't have that. I didn't go to the dentist. I did suffer a lot of issues growing up. I didn't have access to dental care until I was an adult. And for a long time, I thought that, you know, being – to get dental care, you had to be somebody who had resources, who had privilege, right? Um, and I learned that in hygiene school, that's not the case, that there is public health dentistry, that there are things that we can do to better care for those who don't have access to care like me. Well, and I know, you know, as you described earlier, the Latina RDH, and I know that you're really very passionate about your community and, and your background, your heritage. And let's talk a little bit about diversity in dentistry because we know how the Hispanic population is growing so much in the United States. There's so many opportunities in dentistry. What's the biggest thing that our dental assistant audience needs to know about this demographic and working with them in their practices? Yeah, I mean, we are the largest ethnic group. So we should want to care for, you know, have culturally competent care. And culturally competent care means, you know, um, talking to them in a way they understand, having providers who talk to them in their language. Um, for me, at least attempting the language is important. You don't have to be perfect. Um, but we appreciate just you saying, hola, hi, you know. Um, Mi nombre is, my name is. Your patients will appreciate that. And we care because culturally competent care means better results. Um, for your patient. It means less follow-up visits. It means less medical errors. 
But if we care about the finances of the business of dentistry, which we do, because that makes the world go around, and even in public health, it matters, right? It leads to better case acceptance. Um, in my community, it's all about trust. So if I trust my provider, I'm more likely to go see them. I'm more likely to accept a case. I'm more likely to be more receptive to what you have to say. And dentistry is hard, right? So you want you to make your patient feel comfortable so that you have a better day and they have a better day. Um, and sometimes that means then understanding their background and how to communicate with them and um, how to make them kind of understand and still respect them because we are a complicated group as all groups are. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and, and I love that you, you say just something simple as hola or, or just getting it at that little dip in the water there because I know I've talked to so many who are, who are nervous about even attempting something like that. But that builds trust, you think, really, yeah, within absolutely. the population. I'll say, um, yes, I would prefer to have a Spanish-speaking provider um, who really is well-versed in our language, but um, just having, I'll, I'll tell you a story. So my mom is Spanish speaker, does not speak English, um, and she had COVID. And so she doesn't tell me things because she knows how I am, that I'll like make her go to the doctor. <laughs> but so she didn't tell me. And afterwards, my sister told me, you know, mom was really bad. Um, you know, one night she was on, on the ground crying. Um, she said, because she wasn't crying because she was afraid of dying. She was afraid of having to go to the hospital and there wouldn't be a provider who spoke her language, that oh, she wow. wouldn't be able to express, you know, what she wanted and her desires and she would have no voice. To her, that was scarier than, than death, is not having a voice. And we all deserve the same type of respect and care, right? And so just even somebody attempting makes a difference. There are clinics here in where I live um, that specifically are geared towards um, Spanish-speaking patients. Um, not all Latinos are Spanish-speaking, but Spanish-speaking patients. And those, their name is like Clinica Dental. It's dental clinic in Spanish. It's not something fancy, but that, that's that's the name. And people will go there and spend hours there because they know they'll have a provider who who cares, who is um, yeah, try can speak their language. And if you can't fully speak their language, just having somebody attempt and understand, like I know that you can't speak it, but I accept you even that way, that really puts your patients at ease. You know, so often on this podcast, we've talked about building the relationship with the medical community and trying to make sure that, that you build that. But it, it sounds like maybe to build a relationship with someone who's who's fluent in Spanish or who's very comfortable, they can come in for certain patients to really build that trust. That might not be a bad thing for dental practices yeah. to look at. Um, and I'll say like dentalcare.com has um, free resources for dental professionals. You can go to dental... I think it's like under patient services um, or patient information. And then you there's like Spanish resources where you can download a PDF, but also has sound on them. I also provide basic dental Spanish tutorials on Instagram um, at the Latina RDH. Nice. Yeah. So it, it's simple things like how to ask them if they have pain, how to ask them to like chin up, chin down, turn to the right, turn to the left, you know, simple things that you can try that'll make your day easier and help you with your patient. Um, and really, those things do matter. Um, and I think an important thing to know is that acculturation or speaking English, as if that's kind of what acculturation is defined as, is somebody who has acculturated to this country and speaks English, is not a factor in them accepting cases and, and case acceptance. Um, they are not more likely to accept care because they speak English. They are more likely to accept care if they have knowledge and understanding. So whichever way you're educating them, whether it's in Spanish or English or whatever language they speak, 
it's just them being able to understand. Um, and you making those simple efforts will really help with that. Well, you just give me a new Instagram follow. So as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm hopping on that for sure. That, <laughs> okay. uh, that sounds great. Give us the Instagram handle one more time. If it's you don't mind. at the Latina RDH. So T-H-E-L-A-T-I-N-A-R-D-H. All right. I'm hopping on that. Just <laughs> All right. But, but I'll work on some more reels. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Hey, yeah. but l- let's talk about, um, you know, before you and I got on, we talked just a little bit about the Latino population and some of the different ways that it's being described now. And I think for some of us outside that community, it's a little tough for us to know exactly how we should properly be identifying that. What's a good yeah. tip that you could give us in that respect? So I'll say the easiest thing is to ask your patient what they identify as. I'll explain to you the differences, but ask your patient because even if they are defined, if they fit into this category, they themselves may not feel like they fit into that category. So we have Latino and Latina, which is male Latino or female Latina. Um, So they're male and female and uh, male, but some people don't identify as either of those, right? So now we have Latinx, which is um, non-gender conforming. But there are a lot of Latinos who don't, or Latinas, who don't identify with Latinx because Latino and Latina are kind of, I'll say, a sense of pride for us. Um, even if we like are inclusive, I have friends who are gay and don't identify as Latinx, even though that is the um, more inclusive term because to them, it's they are Latino or they are Latina. Um, but they are those who identify as Latinx because they are either non-gender conforming or because they don't feel like they are either from here or from there. A lot of times um, I am told that I am not Mexican enough because I wasn't born in Mexico, right? But then we're told we're not American enough because I don't speak English perfect. I don't have the exact same cultural upbringing as somebody who was um, raised by you know, a more Americanized parents. And so then you kind of feel like in limbo, which one am I? Um, so some people are now identifying as Latinx because they feel that that more defines them as American and as Latinos. It's their own like new term and they are gender conforming. They have, they are male or female. Um, And then we have, yeah, so it's complicated. (laughs) Yeah. And then we have Latin A. So an issue that some people have with Latin X is that it is more of an English word. X in is used in indigenous languages, but we typically don't speak indigenous languages. Um, So we, for those of us who speak Spanish, X is not really used. Um, And the X came from because at one point we had Latino, um, which is male or a group of males or a group of people, male and female. And, you know, we want we want equality. So we start using Latin at like an A and an O. Okay. Got it. But then they started crossing out that to not have gender. So that's where the X came from. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, So now to make it more Spanish, um, there's Latin E or Latin E. People use both both pronunciations, um, and but the thing with that that would be more I think common in people with living in Latin America, because here in the states Latinx is, isn't even that well known. I think only one in four Hispanics um, know the term, um, and then even less of that percentage actually identify with that term. And then we have Hispanics. So okay. Hispanic is different than Latino. So Latinos are people who come from a Latin American country. So it would be Haitians, uh, Brazilians, Mexicans, Salvadorians, um, Puerto Ricans. But then you have people who are 
in those countries, not all of us speak Spanish. Um, Brazilians don't speak Spanish. Haitians don't speak Spanish, right? Hispanic refers to a country coming from a country that has either speak Spanish or has some Spaniard descendants or heritage. Right. So right. Spain um, is uh, Hispanic. If you're a Spaniard, um, you're Hispanic. But if you're not Latino because you're not in Latin America. And Brazilians are not Hispanic because they don't speak Spanish, but they are Latinos. Does that wow. make sense? Uh, I'll need to replay this back to make sure I get it right. Yeah, so it's complicated. I can tell you what not to call us. Okay. You know what? That's important, too, as it turns out, honestly. So I would say ask your patient, one, what they identify as. But two, don't call us Mexicans. Um, We get that a lot. I am Mexican, but not all of us are Mexican. Um, There are, yeah, 20 Latin American countries. so, So, yeah, not all of us are Mexican. Well, and, and you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. We've done a good job, I think, in dentistry of moving forward with the gender roles and asking. And I think this is something else where we need to not be afraid to ask the patient how they identify or how they want to be referred to. Exactly. Um, and yeah, for sure. I think, and people are open to that. Um, I think we're open to having conversations. I, people don't expect us to be perfect. We don't know absolutely everything about every culture or every demographic. Um, I think the point is to being open and receptive to learning and growing and making mistakes and having conversations about that um, and then moving on from it, you know, being better. Yeah, that's the key right there is learning. And I, I love that for sure. And, and one thing that I, I know, you know, I, I'm based here in Colorado and I have seen uh, the Latino population grow immensely just since I've been here. And I know that a lot of parts of the country are doing that. So I think dental practices need to be aware of the demographics in their area, how they could be changing and what they can do then to reach that patient base better. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we are, like I said, one of the largest, we are the largest minority group. We are, the millennial group is one of the higher spending groups. Um, and a lot of businesses and marketing experts are focusing on that population. Um, so being inclusive, using appropriate language, also another way not to call us is don't call us Spanish. Um, so you speak English, but you're not English, right? You're American. That's true. Good point. Right? So I, <laughs> uh, I speak Spanish, but I'm not Spaniard. I am, I I'm not Spanish. Um, That would be for somebody who is from Spain. So knowing that appropriate language, having providers who, um, or even like on your website that have patients who look in a variety of ways. Latinos, we look, we come in all the shades. I sometimes hear people like, you don't look Mexican, but I I do look Mexican actually. Um, I don't look like what maybe some people think Mexicans look like, but I do look Mexican. My parents are both from Mexico. I am completely Mexican. And if I'm not, then I don't know what I am. Um, But we do come in a variety of shades. So initially we were indigenous people. So we were darker and tan. Um, And then we had the Spaniards and the French come over and now we have some lighter skinned people. Right. And then we, they brought with them also slaves, just like they did here in the United States. So the same things that happened here happened in Latin America. Um, and so now we have, just like we have in the United States, a variety of looking people. In Latin America, we have a variety of looking people. We have Afro-Latinos. We have black people. We have light-skinned people. We have tan people. So having, uh, even on your website or in your um, providers who look a different a variety of way is important to help us feel more inclusive. Um and like, and that we're welcome there. 
And and one thing uh, that I want to make sure we touch on before we we sign off is that this is also a great you know you Latina RDH. There's so many dental uh, possibilities for hiring now within this group as well. And and if I'm a dentist wanting to reach out to someone like you to have you on my team, what are some things that I need to be thinking about in my hiring protocols that would be enticing to you to have you come on board with me? Yeah, I mean. I think opening to having conversations. Um, I, I work with an amazing dentist and she does, she's not Latina um, and she attempts the language, right? And mm-hmm. she asks us questions and the patients absolutely love her. Her, her Spanish isn't perfect, but they love her. And I just, being that kind of dentist who is open and receptive to having conversations about this and, you know, understanding that we all have our own expertise. We all have something that we bring um, and we truly are a team. That's what I look for. I think the reason that I, I love the clinic that I'm at now is because we are a team. Everybody's equal. Um, we know that our roles are different. We know that we still work under the supervision of our dentist and we all have respect for each other um, equally all the way down to the top. And we, we my doctor often says, like, there is no hierarchy here, right? Cool. We are, everybody is a part of the team. We can't do the work without the assistance. Um, I can't do the work without my hygienist and I can't do the work without my dentist. Um, so having just... I think being welcoming and receptive, I mean, work environment is really important. Um, and being accepting of, for me, I'm very open Latina, um, but it took me a long time to get to the point where I felt, especially in dental hygiene, where it's primarily um, white women, it, you know, I didn't necessarily sure. feel like there was a, that I really fit in, you know? Um, and so for a long time I covered and it was easy for me to assimilate because I am light skinned and my name is Amber, you know, and then I started to, you know, as I got older and started thinking about things like, you know, when I feel mostly myself is when I'm embracing my Latinidad. Um, and it's important to know that it is, I can be Latina and proudly Latina and still be professional. Like me and me embracing my culture. Um, so be open to having a, a provider, an assistant, a hygienist, whoever who is openly Latina, who wears hoops. I mean, maybe we can't wear hoops in the clinical <laughs> setting, but, you know, yeah. like those types of things. That doesn't mean that they are unprofessional or, you know, because they don't necessarily look the way that traditionally we are supposed to look like. I don't think that that applies. And for my patients, I think they feel more receptive when they see somebody who is traditionally, you know, how they are. And, and I think you could be such a great bridge between the patient and the dentist as well. I, I think that that's really important because as you said, your dentist may not be fluent, but at least uh, she she's trying. And so to have that connection with you, I think that's a great way to build the trust. Yeah. And patients see that. Patients see that, okay, they have um, patient, uh, they have staff members who look like us um, and they see that the respect and the love that we all have for each other. Um, So I think that that also plays a part in that, that they are going to be more accepting if we're accepting of them and we know like how our dentist is and how amazing she is. um, They see that, they feel that. I've had patients tell me like, wow, you really love your job, don't you? And I'm like, I do really love my job. And I still do clinical. I mean, I do a variety of things, but I still do clinical. Um, Our patients are, I mean, why we're here um and I, I think that they feel that but i really think it's because we have such a great dentist she makes it such a great working environment um, and she lets us all be who we are that's great 
Well, I, I feel like this is something we could talk for an hour on, uh, but, but I want to make sure we're cognizant of our time. Where is somewhere that they can get more information? We gave your Instagram handle earlier, but where else might some people go to find out more information? Yeah, I would say dentalcare.com is great. I provide a course on caring for the Lion community, um, and Crest Roby often sponsors that. Um, they're amazing. They're, they, they're the ones who invited me on here today. They're great. Um, I'll say that they have some new products, like they have the new Densify product, toothbrushes come, toothpaste that's coming out in January. I'm excited for it because in the Latino community, we eat a lot of acidic and sugary foods um, like pan dulce and cafecito and, you know, tamarindo, which so, and we know like the, what, how that plays into like erosion in our patients, you know, teeth. So this new toothpaste I'm really excited about, um, but really, cool. yeah, you can, dentalcare.com has great resources. Uh, I think Cross Ruby has great products for our patients. Um, and you can always reach out to me. I, yeah, I teach some courses on caring for the Latin community. Um, I'll be speaking around here in the, all over the U.S. So yeah, awesome. y'all can join me for some culturally competent courses. <laughs> well, I, I hope our paths cross. I would love to to learn more from you because I think that this is something that we just scratched the surface on, but there's a, a lot more to dig down to. So yeah, me too. Amber, thank you so much for being on today. I really do appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. And, and I should say Feliz Navidad. Uh, <laughs> sí, Feliz so, Navidad. There, there you go. That's, that's about as See, much as I've got, but I'm going to learn. No. I'm going to learn. I appreciate so. that. <laughs> well, and, and I appreciate all of you who have listened to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast. We always try to bring relevant guests on to bring you some different thoughts, to bring you some different ideas on how you can have a better career and improve your practice as well. Because dental assistants, we know how important you are to the bottom line and the success of the practice every day. For now, Kevin Henry signing off, wishing you a great day, week, and career ahead. And as always, together we rise.